So in Good Sam, you said the reviews compared the show to Succession. Yeah, and This Is Us. But if ever there was a show to compare to Succession, it is Righteous Gemstones. They're on the same network. They both deal with extreme wealth and snootiness and a family of snakes that are all trying to eat each other. In Succession, they're based in New York. It's a conglomerate, Waystar Industries. In Righteous Gemstones, it's a South Carolina family, Charleston. They're televangelists, extremely famous, and all on the foot of Eli Gemstone, sort of like Logan from Succession, right? Yeah. And we see that in these first two episodes, just like last season, through the planes, the boats, the mansions, the cars, the, the bling that they're wearing. Everything is supposed to be a sense of entitlement, and they're all vying for the top prize, which is to take over for their father once he's out, once John Goodman decides to leave, once Eli Gemstone has left. And that's why I think the season has chosen to concentrate on his character more than it did in the first season. And I think this season is parodying succession in the sense that Jesse is just continually wanting his dad to leave. Also, not even just story-wise, but you have like an all-star cast in both shows. Well, what what do you mean, nah? (laughs) I mean, I'm going to come right out and say the first season of this show, it's okay, but Danny McBride shows, like, it's they usually star him, and he plays a very stupid character, usually someone that you can't really side with, and it's hard to get into that sort of comedy sometimes, and so it's hit or miss with me. So, yeah, with yeah. Vice Principals, it was the same way. I know Eastbound and Down was, like, his most famous, his first show they did. Was that the pitching one where he's, like, Yes, a and that had a hilarious premise to start with, but I never found the time to even watch the full series. Season two of this show is more of an ensemble cast. And it has Danny McBride, and he's playing Jesse. I, I like his character more because it's like everybody's forgiven him. He's mm-hmm. no longer weighted down with all the bad things that he's done from f- season one. And and now the, the entire threat of this season is based on two con men and then a reporter. And then now some crazy stuff that happened in the second episode that we, we really need to talk about. The stakes have just changed significantly, and I really like the direction it's heading. And I also found the jokes funnier, and it, it raised my rating from like a wow. seven to like an eight or a must watch like if you haven't seen the show you don't even need to really see the first season to understand these first two episodes i agree with that and it's good because i didn't remember the first season all that much they did the recap and it just i i was not remembering i remembered it i just didn't remember exactly what happened to walton goggins like i knew that he got his comeuppance at Mm -hmm. the end but he'll be back like i I was wondering where he was in the first two episodes but he'll be back because he played the role of the con man but like now they've like improved uh eric andre and um yeah i like seeing (laughs) Eric Roberts, Emma Roberts' dad. Yeah. But going back to the succession thing, it's obvious because that's like the biggest show on TV right now. Everything's going to compare it. But Good Sam, I'm, I'm still I'm still hung <laughs> up on that. Like, it doesn't make any sense that that show would be compared to succession. This is the show that, that you should be like, okay, this is the serious version of it. And then this is the ridiculous version of it. But now I think they're both credible watches. Like, succession last season wasn't my favorite. This season of... Uh, uh, of Righteous Gemstones is definitely my favorite. I don't think I liked the episodes as, as much as you did. I found that I like the second episode ending a lot because it, it flipped the whole narrative from being about what we thought it was going, what it was setting up to be, which was predictable, sort of like, mm-hmm. okay, something's going to come out. He's going to find dirt. A Jason Schwartzman's <laughs> character is going to find dirt on Amy Lee. And then also the uh, Eric or Junior's character is going to manipulate the. Was Junior dead? Sorry. Didn't Junior? it look like he was dead? He was the guy one of the two bodies. 
Oh, yeah. I was wondering if that was him, though. Like, they didn't say it. I, I turned on subtitles, and they just said, oh, look, there's two dead bodies. Yeah, I don't... But I don't, one of them looked like him, looked and he like wasn't him. in the ending scene. But I don't think I don't think it was him. Like, I don't think that they were just assigned on that guy. I think guy. They, it might be him, because that's what the, it was leaving You're over. You're talking about the body next to the car with the bullets riddled in it, right? Yeah, the gray-haired guy. Right, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't just bullets that were riddled into it, the no, car. It yeah, was like yeah. he was smoking. <laughs> It looked like a plane had crashed and that one body was in a tree and like a bomb had gone off. I don't know. I, I think that like... It's... But that's just the end of the second episode. So we're jumping way ahead. Let's begin at I Speak in the Tongues of Men and Angels, which is the first episode. It starts okay. off in Memphis, Tennessee. There's Memphis, a bo- Tennessee, there's a 1968. Match. Again, it reminded me of Young Rock because of the wrestling <laughs> ring. And we're introduced to Eli Gemstone as Maniac Kid, young version of John Goodman who doesn't look anything like him. And he's beating up some guy, and then he's hired as a collector, sort of like Rocky, to go bust some kneecaps. Well, it reminded me, it reminded me of Heels, like, kind of the beginning yeah. scene. But the thing that I was a little confused by was just the fact that I wasn't sure if this was, like, I, I knew later on, but I wasn't sure if this was one of those fake wrestling matches or if it was, like, Staged. actual. Yeah, if like it was the, I think this was too early. I yeah. think this was just a regular wrestling match. Wrestling match. But... The thing about shows is they really like to lay into lazy writing and make wrestling almost the same thing as crime. No matter any time you see a wrestling ring on TV represented, like you just talked about heels and... And Ken, Ken, I think, had like a... I think Ken had a wrestling match or something about it, and that's all about crime Well, the cleaning lady had a wrestling match, and the guy dies later. Like, everything that has to do with wrestling always has some tie into crime, and I get that there are some people who have ties to it, Mm -hmm. criminals who wrestle, but like, not every time. (laughs) Not every time. Someone has to run a wrestling ring that's just completely legit, that they are... (laughs) And not like one of those like rehab wrestling rings where it's like, okay, everybody who comes here has to blow off some steam. Like just an actual like <laughs> regular wrestling ring that doesn't have like someone selling drugs and Sons of Anarchy also had a wrestling ring. So that, mm-hmm. Of course that, they did. Yeah. <laughs> so we got to like get over that stereotype. But so that's where we start. And he goes in and he breaks someone's thumbs for Junior and his dad. That's where we learn. And I thought, I was so lost on Walton Goggins at this point. I I thought Junior, the young version of him, was playing the young Walton Goggins. (laughs) It looked a little Uh, bit like him. I don't, I don't, again, I don't remember what happened to him, but... In the the first season? Yeah, it did. In the first season, he got caught stealing the money, and then he dies because he's struck by lightning, and then a beast thing brings it back to life. How do I not remember that? It took about five episodes into the first season before he shows up. But he's tweeted that he's going to be back. Okay, so, like, so yeah, so it's, there you go. it's already confirmed. Then we jump to current day, and there's this board meeting of this huge mega church. Uh, Eli is, of course, at the top of it. And Daniel Block, this New York Times reporter, has exposed that one of the church, uh, the Butterfields church, yeah, right. that they were doing some thruple stuff or, or whatever, something really bad <laughs> that, that ex- got exposed and they had to kick them out of their streaming service that is named God Gemstones on Digital Demand. I have to say the way they end, like when he, cause he gets like so like, mortified up. about this that he decides that he's going to like commit suicide. Yeah, he jumps he off jumped. a two story building. I have to say that's probably one of my favorite parts of the episode when you look down and you see that he didn't kill himself, he just hurt his knee and it was Again, a re- <laughs> Well, not tweaked, it was like backwards, but re- it was a recycled joke basically for anything where they showed the body. Like, back in the day, you would just see someone th- jump off and everybody's ghastly faces. But <laughs> right. now you show them and make a joke out of it. And so, yeah, he's he's no longer part of the church system. And 
then they show the gemstones property now. And in 1968, we see that Eli gemstones like house was kind of small, even in the South. But now it's this acreage after acreage after acreage. And there's this motorcyclist going, taking huge leaps yeah. and stuff, kind of like what hot American summer Paul Rudd. And so you're like, who's in the bike? And we find out that it's Gideon. He's back from Haiti where he was like helping children with his dad. And apparently he's forgiven his dad. And so has the wife, Amber's character. Yeah, that's Amber's whole character. That has, has made kind of a shift into being more, I guess, in line with her husband's thinking because she not only presses the idea that uh, they're a connected family again because she was she was <laughs> she was like the moral voice of reason last season. Didn't she shoot? But now, didn't she shoot Amy Bryce's character? Like, yeah, she was mad at him, and rightfully <laughs> so because of the stupid decisions that he made. So she was one of my favorite characters this season. They made her sort of like fall along his lines and be like, "Okay, I can't wait until Eli's out because my husband's going to replace him." And then when they meet Lyle and Lindy, listens another two mm-hmm. set of. Uh, new characters starring Eric Andre. Who is basically being himself in every single show you've ever seen him in, it feels like. Just ridiculous, but like I like the people falling where he would just throw his hands at the people. Oh, and yeah, suddenly I know, yeah. They would like just, he had the power of Jesus. And, <laughs> and then the guy fell off the stage. That, that was like, yeah, when he roped the person, like a cowboy or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then they have this private meeting with Amber, and the Lizens are not competitive because they're not in a, the same precinct, but they want to work together. And they're selling this idea of wanting to open a timeshare hotel chain on this island that hasn't even been built yet. Like, the island's been built, yeah. but the groundwork hasn't been done yet. Like, they, they literally are just showing off a bunch of branches on the ground. They're right? going to need millions of dollars. So you've heard yeah. of Gregor McGregor, right? The 1980s guy? Or, sorry, 1880s guy, the guy from London who, like, sold... A bunch of people on the idea that there was this Caribbean paradise out there with a bunch of gold and people that were helpful and stuff that people should move to. And then he like sold a bunch of property there. And then he sent people on a boat like their entire life savings were given to him. He sent them on a boat and then like 150 people died when they got there. It was like the fire festival because there was no actual like any buildup of any island. Like it was a terrible place to live. It was just like a random jungle that had diseases and everything. Uh, He he just meant to make money. And so, yeah, Gregor McGregor is, is what, Eric Andre reminds me of because it's so obvious that what he's doing right now is he's selling this prospect of this fanciful hotel chain that's going to be so successful and really he's just going to get like millions of dollars. And he gained stars like Joe Jonas to show up, yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask yeah. you what you thought of Joe Jonas in episode two since he's like part of the Jonas Brothers and I know you were a big uh, yeah, Jonas Brothers I, fan that one time. Yeah, I still am a big it's, Jonas It's also fan. funny because weren't they the ones who got the promise rings or whatever? Like yeah, the, the purity rings. Yeah, yeah, something. and that's like a very religious thing. <laughs> and so the idea that he would then go a star on a re- religious show and he also, I think, got the role because he they found out that he was a fan. So they, Wait, were like, oh. they were like, we need someone famous in this scene. Who can we get? And then they were like, oh, well, we know he's a fan. So they brought him in. I also liked his line about his brothers. All the love for the Joe Bros. <laughs> like, yeah, so you had Eric Andre, and then you had Junior show up in the future, played by, again, Eric Roberts, yeah. and he was playing a different type of what I expect to be a con man, where he initially makes it seem like he's actually not there for money or anything. Like, right. he's about to walk away, and he gets John Goodman's character to call him back and be like, oh, I'm sorry I was being such a grouch to you. I thought that you were going to, like, blackmail me. Well, I think that, like, that's the reason why I don't think he's sad at the end of episode two. Like, it's obvious that Eric Roberts is a villain, but they have to be keeping him well, around no, for, no, no, like, but something. I have to describe, or you have to describe what he was doing. Like, he's there for a purpose. He was saying that his dad was 
now passed away right. that people had accused him of murdering him he's kind of playing the devil on Eli Gemstone's shoulder now kind of causing him to revert well, back he's, into yeah, his he's, he's coming, he's by the end of the first episode Eli Gemstone had broken someone else's thumbs and something that you would never have assumed he was right he's trying to he, he brought him back into the business basically yeah and I get that they're making it seem as if Eli Gemstone came from new money like he's the one who earned it well himself. yeah he, he literally said I had stakes um, when but he in the first season right. he gets like knocked out I remember and it's like if he has a wrestling background and and the lengths they go to to try to make it seem like John Goodman was beating up that giant <laughs> guy it was so obvious oh, yeah. that it was it was it was kind of cringy to watch the the fact that like the guy wouldn't just like punch him in the stomach or something because he was he's so slow at his age <laughs> it was also the fact that like they just they tried to make that guy seem like the most hateful person ever like yeah. just going out of their way even more than but they this is a comedy for that yeah. exact reason the the John Goodman of 10 years ago though I think would have made a good like someone who could beat someone up now he seems a little <laughs> bit like older too old to be <laughs> breaking someone's thumb to be able to do that is what yeah. I'm saying like his bones doesn't <laughs> don't seem like they'd be strong enough to do that However, in the second episode, he shows up at the end as well, and his kids start to think that he's involved with all those murders. Well, that he has happen. blood on his so, jeans. Yeah. <laughs> so so far, we have two con men. We have the reporter who's looking into Amy Lee. We have the three kids. We didn't see a lot of Adam Devine in this episode. We did get his uh, what are they called? The God Squad. Yeah, the God Squad. Like the, all the people he's basically conjured up. Kelvin's God Squad, who jumped out a bunch of two vans. <laughs> And the first time I paused and I was like 17 people. And the first thing I thought was, this is Mac from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Because, like, that would be the exact type of crew that he would make. Before are they, he... are they, they're similar characters. Yes, a little bit. Yeah. Like, you can tell that Kelvin is probably either gay or, like, just has a messiah <laughs> complex. Where he wants just a bunch of muscled up dudes around him all the time. And then when they got off the tarmac later on, after coming back from the island that Eric Andre had showed them, they, was, they got out of the... <laughs> The God Squad got out again, and there it, there was twenty at that point. So twenty people, <laughs> twenty like jacked up dudes who were able to fit into a car. I don't even know how the car was able to hold so many people, but I think that's you're part saying of the they joke. expanded though, right? Like you're saying it originally was. Well, see, that went. was the thing. I paused it and I was like, "Am I cutting people off? I can't tell." But by the end, my biggest estimate for their crew is twenty. Otherwise, it's just growing, growing, growing. By the end, who who knows? But but that's supposed to be based off like a real thing that in I guess the eighties or nineties like churches tried to really impress people by by happened. hiring super muscly Christians <laughs> to come in and like tear phone books in half and so Look, those are the interviews that Danny McBride talks about we, when he's like using this we saw it in some of this episode but I know that churches especially around like colleges but like really trying to get young people go crazy like i've seen some things where it's like when they start off the service there's people like literally doing rap verses about the bible and stuff like that like and they throw it, parties yeah no i mean it, it goes insane so i so even though like what and we you saw see how in these shows they always make them seem like a rock concert when anybody <laughs> when anybody goes into well that church. was more no that was more like realistic i think in, in that sense where it's like yeah you go in there and it's like everyone's just jumping around like you're at coachella or something what'd you think of bj Tim Baltz's character. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he kept on drinking milk. Did you catch that? Like, that was so obvious. Every time that they showed him at the table, everybody else would have wine or something, and he would just have a huge glass of milk. I, well, I, I, he's like, a, he he has one joke this season, which is the fact that he's getting baptized, but I can only nah, assume... There's a couple jokes. Like, they, they did a bunch of background. Like, they got married, 
and by the uh, Ariel's boyfriend, Prince Eric, apparently, at <laughs> Disney World. That was Oh, yeah, 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 and then they weren't able to get Mickey Mouse. No, I, I think that... Well, they t- weren't trying to get Mickey Mouse. They didn't want Mickey Mouse. Right, but I think that Tim Baltz, I think that, like, he's almost like Greg from Succession, where it's like, as much as he doesn't really need to be there... I was I trying to like figure he's... out who is who in Succession, because, you, again, you have the two brothers, you have the one sister, you have... The, I know there's the older person, but that's kind of like the Walton Goggins well, yeah. character. He's kind of like the uncle Connor is. Yeah. And then you have... They're, they're all suck-ups, right? But but Tim Baltz is Greg. Yeah, now no. that you say that, it makes complete sense. He's not Tom, because that's who it, technically right. he would be. Yeah, 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 right. Because we're going straight connection. off the yeah, relationships. <laughs> Anybody who hasn't watched Succession has no idea what we're talking about, but that's, yeah. I think that, well, I think that Tim Baltz, uh, I feel like he's going to have a big thing in the plot later on. Like, I feel like that baptism storyline isn't just something that they threw in there to be I, funny. I think they've like, got enough on their plate at this point. Because so we got those three big problems coming up that you could see on the horizon Mm -hmm. with the reporter. He could bust any one of them. But uh, then you have the two cons that are going on. And I'm glad they didn't destroy the con with Eric Andre because that one seems like it's going to end ridiculously. Whether or not they get burned is is a question. At the end, though, they decide to confront the reporter because they want to make sure that... And so this is where I'm like, all three siblings usually screw something up. And, and this so is they, also like... They're driving yeah, like to, we're... to go confront this like random reporter in the middle of the night and they, they're going to mess it up so badly <laughs> and then they're going to cause this whole season's like problems. And I was right. just like, ugh, predictable. They get there and that's when you realize, oh no, the door's already open. Oh, like Adam Devine's character was probably the smartest <laughs> to go back to the car and just wait. Had they just driven out of there, they would have been fine. But instead, what they do is they, the two of them, Jesse and his sister Judy, they go inside, and then Adam Devine notices outside the two bodies, and right. they notice that the reporter is dead. So Jason Schwartzman's out, like he's. he's I was I was a little sad to see that because I I do I like liked him. it because it was like he, uh, he'll, no, he'll I, show up in something else. He's been in play. yeah no, he he likes to pop up everywhere and then die. So <laughs> didn't he die in Wet Hot American Summer? I think. Yeah, no, he got shot in the head and yeah, he was able to still speak right. Oh, so he, yeah, okay. So he gets shot in the head there and here. I wonder if there's a connection. And then they slip in his blood after Adam Devine, like, knocks the three of them over. So now (laughs) the crime scene is set. And then they saw the car. Like, I kept on thinking at any point they could have called the police and they would have been completely legal what they did. Because, yeah, the door was open. So them investigating wasn't that big a deal. So, But wait, wasn't that against, like, I wasn't sure if what Danny McBride was saying there was just supposed to be for comedy or actually true. Where it's like you can just enter in if the door's open. I think it just makes the most sense to go back in your car and drive away. <laughs> well, yeah. but, but I don't think there's anything illegal actually about going in if the door is open. Like, I think you're even allowed to try to open the door and if it's unlocked it's not that you can just walk in but it's not considered the same thing as breaking it yeah i mean obviously Um, well i don't i don't know for sure i wouldn't take my my, i didn't go to law school but it's interesting how you have these three dead bodies one of them could be junior who had talked about wanting to go and show that guy up or whatever yeah but nothing explains it. Like, it's such a big mystery now, and I and I have to well, know. Before, I was going to be like, yeah, I, I liked the show. It was okay. It was a seven. I probably won't see the rest of the season for a while. Now I'm going to see the rest of the season next week because I'm well, yeah, curious. Because they, they go to the fountain. They go back to their dad's place, and then the dad walks out, and there's blood on his jeans, and they think so that he possibly could have murdered them. Murder them. Well, because he had something to do with it. Well, earlier on in the episode, uh, the reporter tries to speak to Eli, right? And that reminded me almost a little bit well, of... Well, that's what instigates the kids to go forward because right. he's the one... Eli's the one who tells them that they're looking into the mom's character. Right, and it, that, I was just going to say that the 
scene between Eli and the reporter reminded me a little bit of Wolf on Wall Street. Kyle Chandler's character in that reminded me of the reporter here because it's like he's not necessarily being a dick, but he's not being the nicest person to him either. And you can tell that Eli just wants nothing to do with it. Yeah, when they introduced Daniel Block, it was funny because it was like the irresistible movie that John uh, Stewart made mm -hmm. because of his New York attitude, and he was immediately called off on it. So what if he ended up dying because that guy was just pissed off? That's what I was. That's <laughs> what I was thinking. I was like that guy who he's also like, a drug addict. Like he was, he was doing cocaine right off the armchair. Yeah, no, I, that was originally my thought, but then like, like you saw the who were the other people? Was my question. Like, you know, like, one so was on a tree. I, I have, uh, well, that was my theory originally. That was just a neighbor guy who was, like, kind of pissed off at him. But when you saw the other people, like, in the trees and next to the car, I was like, well, I don't know if he would go that far. I'm also curious because, like, you know how I was talking about Tim Baltz being obsessed with the milk? And then we saw that Junior had butter everywhere. Like, he kept on getting butter mm -hmm. everywhere and licking his knife with the butter. And it's like, <laughs> what is going on with the dairy? And what's the point here? Junior like, Junior had one of my favorite lines in the show, though, because um because Danny McBride is trying to get Eli to give him the $10 million donation. And then uh, Eric Roberts chimes in, and he's like, my dad never gave me anything, and I turned out just fine. And I was like, okay, that's kind of funny. But then uh, I was Adam Devine, who was like, yeah, he turned out just fine. He'll be just like him. And that was probably one of my favorite, my favorite line. Out yeah, the, the way Adam Devine delivered yeah. that, that made me laugh out loud, like legitimately. <laughs> <laughs> who's who's your favorite out of all three? Like uh, from the family, obviously. You mean the three siblings? Yeah. <laughs> That's tough because I hate some of them some of the time. Like well, Adam you're supposed to. I think it flips because like one will fall out of favor with me because of something they do in the plot, and then they'll have a zinger of a line. Like even even Judy when Tim Baltz's character goes in there and. <laughs> She starts going off on her dad and also the uh, junior for coming in and insulting her husband. Right, and she's yeah. like, don't, don't. Uh, <laughs> he's insulting you. He's big dicking you or something like that. And I, yeah, so like every one of them at some point is my favorite character. And it just fl flips between all three. I would agree with that. I, I think that out all They're all them. weak. They're all so yeah, yeah, Well, yeah, obviously. I, I, I think Kelvin probably is my favorite at this point. But like you said, it kind of it switches between all of them. I think John Goodman, though, is like... He, he there hasn't been enough Kelvin this season. Uh, John Goodman's character, they, when they hired him for the show, apparently they didn't know too much about him. Like most people, they want to make sure they'll have a vibe with, but because right. he had such a big name as John Goodman and he was going to headline like that character, they were like, hey, we just got to take a risk here. And if he ends up being like a terrible person, then we will deal with it. But clearly he's a joy to work with. Otherwise they wouldn't be extending his role this big in the second season. Well, yeah. And I think he's probably the one that pulls the most people to watch the show. And if you ever watch like his interviews with other, about his other movies and stuff, like he keeps a data bank almost in his head of like how he approaches a character. Not like someone who's like over the top with it, but like where he's like, oh, I envision that guy as being the Southern kind of full of himself, wants to be the big lubowski and that was like his version of the character from flight oh, oh okay when he came yeah, in there yeah, yeah, yeah. so well, so yeah, like he them. puts that character in his own viewpoint and then he acts it out and he does a really good job with it and i did so not I like yeah that. i, I like that way of method connection. acting but yeah yeah so we haven't talked about gideon's character but gideon was a big part of the first season and this season he also seems to have had a bigger role in the first episode than the second one but he does he's always the smartest one in in the yeah like out of the whole family with yeah Bryce he doesn't even want to be part of that family but he's at this point like so danny mcbride is like forcing him to talk to his brother about not splooging everywhere and like leaving his garments and his where he's going to end up touching them or something and then they have this awkward conversation where it's like all your relatives are going to be staring at you while you're doing it yeah that was <laughs> 
Well, and Gideon's face just the whole time of being like, I want to step in, but I can't. But didn't that fall into kind of the humor that you were talking about that you don't really like? Because that felt more like a vice principal. I never saw the show, but vice principal's moment. Yeah, it was a one-off, but I felt like we had to talk about it here in order to move on because maybe it'll come back. How is it going to come back? It feels like that's Why would the they introduce it? it for? Did you see the poster in the background while they were doing that scene? There was yeah. one that was like romancing gemstones and they... <laughs> And it just reminded me of, like, one of those bar mitzvah party posters where, like, you go in and you're able to stick your face on something and then they make a movie poster out of it. Right, yeah, they're able to mold it. Yeah, well, apparently when they were going around to different South Carolina homes and mansions to to look for places to film, one downstairs actually had something similar to that, and that's what gave them the idea. They shoot it in actual mansions. In church, yeah, Charleston, South Carolina. If you go there, there's just a ton of churches and they're, like, the biggest thing and that's what they're kind of poking fun at. But from what they've said... They are not actually offending too many people of, like, any religion because they're not going after the idea of believing in God as much as the dum-dums who sometimes get rich (laughs) making money off of uh, people's uh, beliefs. Right, well, they're more making fun of, like, the outliers, the one that, like... I don't know if they're outliers, to be honest with you, especially with the amount of population they bring in, but definitely the way, the hypocrisy, kind of how uh, uh, Jason Schwartzman's character was talking about it, he didn't care about exposing the churches for being churches he cares about exposing the hypocrisy in those churches i just making bank and i was just i like the two episodes i'd give it like probably a seven for for like the second episode definitely but the first episode seemed long like it was 60 minutes. minutes basically yeah so i was like why didn't and then the second episode was 30 minutes that's, but, but you couldn't not watch the second episode by the end i was like oh is this just a throwaway second episode that they put in there no the well, second no. episode made the story yeah the second episode made sense but i was like why did they decide to try and give a first episode that was almost an hour i have no idea but they had a lot to get through it did feel like the characters were more comfortable in their roles in the first season there were a lot of dead storylines that that were the reason that was the reason i just found the show okay like kelvin's storyline wasn't like he just has keith he still has keith but keith was like a huge kind of like his plot point like he just leaves and then he comes back and i just didn't find that very satisfactory like that didn't feel like it achieved much same with judy's character it was just like okay bj she cheated on bj and then they got back together at the end of it (laughs) funny but like is that really enough to carry the show it was really just walton goggins playing that uh, and also that other pastor for the first season to be the drama and also Gideon trying to rob them. But it just got, it, it's, yeah, that, that plot line just didn't have the same gravitas that this does. This, this really, uh, especially with the air. Yeah. <laughs> especially with so many questions as to where it could go from now. I'm, I'm, I'm very intrigued. I, I I'm going to watch the rest of the season, but one of my cons was just the fact that it did seem like it had more dramatic moments, maybe than I remember from the first season in this episode. We did end up watching episodes. 90 minutes as opposed to like one episode. And if so they just released the one episode. However, I feel like if they hadn't, then they wouldn't have gripped people the same way. So that's why they did it. How many episodes? The is second episode, to? by the way, was called After I Leave, Savage Wolves Will Come. I don't know how many episodes, probably 10. Well, yeah, I think 10 for the first episode. After I Leave, Savage Wolves Will Come. Hmm. I think it was 10 for the first season as well. Anyways. So. All right. Well, that'll be it for my review. Anything else you want to add? No, like I said, I think that if you like the first season, you'll probably like these two episodes as well. I do agree that the ending is more intriguing for people that want to watch it. So. If you were forced to get married in Disney World, who would be your, like, officiary person? I agree to the one that you're saying Mickey Mouse. So you'd want the big guy? Yeah. I mean, like, I don't want Goofy. I now declare. Oh, no, 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 <laughs> Like that, no, like that. No, no. It just seems or so maybe, ridiculous. Or maybe Aladdin, Robin Williams, Aladdin, a genie. Hmm. 
I want like some weird character, not Prince Eric weird, but like like an actual kind of just random. The candlestick from Beauty that's, and the Beast. That's not rare enough. Like I, I'm not also, rare enough. Yeah, I want like something that people wouldn't expect. They'd be like, "Oh, that's actually pretty cool." <laughs> yeah, I think that's what most people go for. <laughs> like, and I'm running through all the Disney movies now, and it just it's taking. Oh, you could choose Bing Bong from Inside Out. Inside Out is Pixar, man. Yeah, I think Pixar has its own roller coaster place. What if you got married at Universal Studios and had to stick with like Shrek <laughs> or the donkey? <laughs> it would just be continual. Do that... they even have like people walking around in Shrek costumes in Universal? They have to. I assume. Like... I don't think so. I've had the Universal like back 10, 15 years ago. I remember they had like a live action kind of uh, animatronic thing that they they did, but there wasn't any person. Who it's was no in Shrek way costume. in it. As big as Disney World. What is. if you dressed up as Shrek and tried to get into Disney World? That sounds like a <laughs> that sounds like a YouTube video waiting like a to happen. YouTube prank or yeah, that sounds like that. a complete YouTube prank <laughs> waiting to happen. I think that's where we'll end it. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.